Hello, welcome to the podcast for Two Consoles Too Late. I am the host, Jackson Keeler, and this week I'm talking about the new Batman. Just came on HBO Max, and I got to see it for the first time. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get started. Before I get started about Batman, I came across this article, and it was, it was interesting, and I'll explain why. A portable nuclear device went missing from a stolen vehicle in Pennsylvania. And the subheadline reads, As long as the device is not tampered with or damaged, it presents no hazard to public safety. Uh, the article goes on to state, The State's Department of Environmental Protection said the device, a portable nuclear gauge, is often used at construction sites to, quote, evaluate the properties of building and roadbed materials. But, if mishandled or damaged, people could be exposed to radiation contamination. And in the article, they show a picture of the device, a Troxler Model 3340 portable nuclear gauge. All right, this is, uh, this is how episodes of 24 get started, okay? First five minutes, there's some no-name construction guy. He's rocking his Troxler Model 3340, and a bunch of guys jump out of a van, knock him over the head, and steal his portable nuclear device and turn it into a nuclear bomb. And Jack Bauer finds out and has to kick ass and save the day. So that's when I saw that article, I thought, man, somebody's making a dirty bomb right now. But in all seriousness, if you see some shady characters with a uh, device that appears to be the Troxler Model 3340, please notify the authorities. So when talking about a movie... It's, I guess, fairly new. I just have to preface this. There are going to be spoilers. So if you plan on seeing this movie and don't want it spoiled, turn this off. But if you have seen it, then maybe you know what I'm talking about. I like to put this in reference just to, because there's been so many Batmans. I just put this Batman up against all, all the other Batmans in their IMDb ratings just to kind of gauge where this one's at. Uh, this Batman got 8.3 stars. Uh, Batman Begins, that got 8.2 stars. Tim Burton Batman got 7.5 stars. Batman vs. Superman got 7.8 stars. By the way, these are in no, there's no chronological order or anything. I just threw them all together. Uh, Val Kilmer, 5.4 stars. Ooh. George Clooney, 3.7 stars. That was horrible. And Adam West Batman, not the TV series, the Batman movie they made. That got 6.5 stars. And lastly, I liked it. It's a Batman movie. Lego Batman. Lego Batman got 7.3 stars. So you can kind of see that this one is up there with all the other blockbuster Batmans. And there's no surprise there at all. But I don't want to talk about the whole damn franchise. I, I could do episodes and episodes about Batman and Batman movies and all that. I just want to say, thank God there was no origin story in this Batman. I was kind of waiting for it 
just because it seems like it's been in every Batman movie ever made. Uh, like, yeah, the TV series Gotham. Uh, of course, Batman Begins, there's the origin story. Tim Burton's Batman. And even Batman vs. Superman. They always had the origin story with Bruce Wayne walking down the alley with his parents. They get murdered, blah, blah, blah. And thank God they it was not in this one. But if you're going to talk about origin stories, I think the best origins, one of the best origin stories was in The Joker. Uh, it was a good twist on the origin story where you, it's like all the chaos that the Joker causes makes this guy go out and murder Bruce Wayne's parents. And perhaps the Joker is Bruce Wayne's half-brother. I don't know. So anyway, that's a good twist, but that's a tangent. So in this Batman, there is no origin story, thank God. The Batman is a lot of Batman. It's uh, 180 minutes of Batman. And, well, it's not it's not three hours. It's a little, little under three hours. And that's a lot of movie. Uh, but I sat down and I watched it in one sitting. And I watched it again, actually, right up until the point I was I had to record this podcast just because I didn't want to just go off one view in. And the only conclusions I've drawn so far is that this is a very serious Batman and it's a very humorless Batman. When I first saw Batman Begins, I didn't like that one. And it took me a couple of viewings to start to like that one. So I... I do want to preface that I can't say whether I like it or or dislike this movie just because I don't think I've seen it enough to sort of, you know, process what was going on in it. So this is really just more like first impressions than, you know, a review. I thought Robert Pattinson was good as Batman. Um, I think it's what the character needed for this Batman. Of course, Bruce Wayne is in like uh, the second year of you know, donning the cape and cowl as Batman. Uh, apparently this Batman was supposed to be inspired by Kurt Cobain. I forget where, I, I think I read that on IMDb or something. I, I don't know where they got that from. I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, he appeared a little, I guess, emo or something, you know, his hair's a little emo. I don't know where they got that inspired by Kurt Cobain thing. I mean, they used um, something in the way in in the movie. It's, I guess, because he's jaded. I don't know where any of that came from. But this Batman is a very smart Batman. Uh, he's not a very super physical Batman. Uh, the riddles that the Riddler gives him, they come very easily to him. And this Batman is more of a detective uh, Batman's been referred to as detective before, and in this one, he's, he definitely plays the role of a detective a lot more. And I kind of felt that the this Batman had a sort of smattering of Sherlock Holmes. That's what a, my impression I got. He visits the crime scenes with uh, Jim Gordon, who's played by Jeffrey Wright. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. I thought he was. I thought he was good as Jim Gordon. I liked him better as Felix Leiter and James Bond. But that being said, but it just kind of. It reminded me of, especially the series Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, the cops are all there and like Sherlock Holmes shows up and all the cops get indignant like, hey, what's he doing here? Yeah, so this movie had a lot of that. The Riddler is one of my favorite Batman villains. And to finally see the Riddler in a Batman movie with a little bit of realism was really nice. I was kind of hoping that would happen with the Christopher Nolan trilogy. 
But to see it happen here was was really cool. I thought Paul Dano was really good as the Riddler. Uh, his costume was crazy. Uh, I don't know. I was really curious as to where the inspiration for that costume came from. And I did come across this article. Uh, where was it? Gamerant.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. And Paul Dano, he, he helped develop the costume. And uh, I'll just read a little snippet from this article. Dano eventually received help from a mask expert to figure out ways to make the material breathable while filming. Along with the mask and the influential power it brought to Dano and the villain, he focused on other minuscule details concerning the Riddler, including the character's glasses. It surfaced that Dano went through over a hundred pairs before attaching himself with the clear plastic frames donned by the character. Uh, I I can definitely see where Paul Dano would kind of see like be sort of maniacal just about the glasses. I mean, they are very I wouldn't call them dweeby, but to see the the character in these glasses, you don't see you only I think he you know at the end you finally see him out of the Riddler costume, if you can call it a costume. But I kind of wish that you had gotten to see a little bit more of Paul Dano as his persona, not as the Riddler, but his character's name is Edward Nashton, not Edward Nigma. I was kind of curious if they were going to do the whole Nigma thing, but in this one, uh, the Riddler's real, uh, real name is Edward Nashton. And he's a forensic accountant who comes across this mob slush fund that was set up by Thomas Wayne. And after Thomas Wayne is assassinated, the mob uses this uh, slush fund to do all sorts of bad things. This Riddler is a very psychotic Riddler, as he should be, because the Riddler was a psychotic person. He's a psychologically battered person. He's an orphan, and he definitely has some sort of issues to the point where he murders his victims brutally, and after he murders them, he mutilates them, and they make no qualms about that in in this in this Batman. Now, this Batman, yes, there is some language, and yes, there's a lot of violence, and I was kind of curious if they kind of, I was kind of curious if they push a Batman movie to an R rating, but this one, of course, like all the others, got a PG-13. I kind of wish they had done what they had done with the Joker, though. They had taken the Joker to that level where it got an R rating, and it could be the movie that an R-rated movie could be. And I think that this movie sort of lacked because it wasn't an R movie. And lastly, Colin Farrell as the Penguin was awesome. Just the accent, the, the clothes, the makeup, everything just worked in this character. I didn't feel like I was watching Colin Farrell. I felt like I was watching... Some mob guy with aspirations for more. He didn't, and he wasn't psychotic or anything. He was just some mob boss who just wanted a bigger piece of the pie. And once again, we have a Batman movie with the whole Batman Catwoman quasi romance thing. I, I, I have a very weird personal hang up with this plotline with Batman and it's appeared in so many movies and it, for me it just has never ever worked. Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer no chemistry and they tried it just didn't work. 
Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway. No chemistry. And apparently they run off with each other at the end of the movie. And in this one you have Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz. Just, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if it's the performances or my personal hangout. But every time I, they try to do this Batman, Catwoman romance thing, it just feels forced and there's just no chemistry. And I just get really kind of pissed off that they keep trying this over and over and over again. Now I'm going to go on a little rant here, and this is my personal rant that I always go on. I, after watching almost three hours of Batman, I was really looking forward to the credits, and I will explain why. There was a documentary I talked about before on the podcast, but I'll mention it again. The documentary Batman and Bill. It's on Hulu. And it's a documentary about Bill Finger was the ghostwriter for the Batman comics. It wasn't all Bob Kane. Uh, so Bill Finger, uh, he didn't get any credit up until recently. Uh, his name only appeared in the credits starting with Batman versus Superman, I believe. And to finally, uh, once again, to watch the credits of a Batman movie and see Bill Finger's name was really, really cool. And I actually uh, tweeted a picture of the credits at Consoles22. You can check it out. But I will say it once, I will say it again. Watch the fucking credits. Okay? A lot of people go in to make, it, to make these movies and they need the credit that they deserve. And if you watch the credits all the way to the end, uh, there's sort of a, they, there's a website. It's www.rotalada.com, which is from the movie. It's this uh, Spanish riddle that the Riddler gives Batman. So you actually go to this website, and it's this promotional website, and it just says, like, the Gotham City Police Department has shut down this website or whatever. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I thought that was really cool. But once again, please, please, please watch the credits of a movie, okay? These people deserve it. So last week on the live stream at twitch.com slash two consoles too late, I tried out the boss rush mode in Metroid Dread that got just got released. And I tried it. And I had to remember the controls of Metroid Dread because I haven't played it in so long. I've been playing so much Zelda. And I actually had to remember the bosses and the patterns and how to defeat them. So, of course, I, I knew I wasn't going to do well. I think I finished in, like, took me, like, 38 minutes, and I died, like, 11 times or something. But I'm going to go on my rant. Here I go. Just bear with me. I hate speedrunning. I hate speedrunning. I don't see the fucking point of speedrunning. I don't see the point of playing a game and beating it as fast as you can. I just don't understand it. And I take contention with speedrunning because games like Zelda and Metroid, you know, there's a certain level of, I would say, exploration. There's some side quests, there's puzzles. And just to play 
to play a game and beat it in like an hour and a half just boggles my mind. That's not to say I don't like speedrunners. If you know, if you said you're a speedrunner, I wouldn't like blow you up. Like, oh, forget you. You know, it's just you're on a level I will never understand. And speedrunners, speedrunners do a lot of good. They do fundraisers and they raise a lot of money for for good causes. And I think that's really cool. But when it comes down to speedrunning, I don't get it. And a lot of this DLC for Metroid Dread has been, I think, geared towards speedrunners, especially Dread Mode. When I heard that they came out with Dread Mode, I thought, well, speedrunners are going to love this. So I would just like to say I would like to see some more. I would like to see some more DLC for Metroid Dread, but I would rather it not be geared towards speedrunners. Auction alert! Auction alert! All right, this week on uh, this week's auction alert is creepy, like Twilight Zone creepy. It's not some rare game that's going for thousands of dollars. It's just creepy. On Shop Goodwill, there's a collection of strategy guides going up for auction for five different games, and they're games that I all that I own, but it's not like these games are all in the same genre. All right, here are the games. Super Mario Brothers for the Wii, the Metroid Prime Trilogy for the Wii, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Skyrim, and Fallout 3. Now, I own all those games, except for Skyrim. I don't own Skyrim. And to see an auction for the strategy guides to the these games that I own, which are just completely random and completely different genres. I thought it was really bizarre. So right now the auction's at ten dollars. There's six days there's almost seven days left on this auction. And I'm really curious if anyone's gonna pick these up. Because if somebody doesn't, I think I might just uh I think just reading the Metroid Prime trilogy strategy guy would be cool. And the Super Mario Brothers for the Wii I never really got too much into that. I'm sure there's a lot of secrets. And as for Fallout 3 and Oblivion, I gave up on those games a long time ago. I have them sitting on my shelf, and I'm, in the back of my head, I'm always like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll go back and play them. But I'm probably not. I'm probably just going to sell them at a yard sale or something. So there you go, a, a Twilight Zone auction alert. All right, this has been the podcast for Two Consoles Too Late. I've been the host, Jackson Keebler. And you can check me out at Twitter at Consoles22. And check out the live streams every Monday and Friday at twitch.com slash twoconsoles2late. Have a good one. Bye.